Welcome to episode zero of the Weird Warriors podcast. I'm Max. I'm Rich. And on this podcast, we will be focusing on the Weird War Tales series from DC Comics, published for 124 issues from 1971 to 1983. We'll also periodically talk about other horror and or war-themed comics from DC and from other publishers like Marvel and Charlton, etc., uh, as we as we move along. So if you like war comics or if you like horror comics or especially if you like both of those things, this podcast is for you. So without further ado, let's get into episode zero and introduce ourselves to our readers. Rich, you go first. Okay, well, uh, one of the first comics I picked up was a 40 cent Sarge Rock uh, back in 1979, I think it was, Walden Books, remember those? Um, oh, yeah. <laughs> oh for the good old days of brick and mortar bookstores um was it uh, dc comics presents was another one superman bursting out of the ground behind uh, easy uh, company and sergeant rock and everything that was another one that went back joe uh, staten and everything i love dc uh, presents yeah yeah got joe to sign my copy of that one on the show Mm-hmm. Uh, my dad is too. <laughs> my dad is two younger brothers had old comic stash in my grandparents' old attic, and I read their old DC war books to tatters. You know, pick up you know the Nom, GI Combat stuff like that. And just the war books always uh, really, uh, really, yeah, really reached out to me. And uh, you'd think I would have outgrown the comics once I started, once I reached a certain age, but uh, no, actually, I, I blame you for that. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, we'll, we're going to get to that part. I was, I was, yeah, I was, we'll pin down exactly when you maybe started to escape and then I happened along. But as far as me, like when I started with comics, I, I've told this a million times to people, but I learned to read pretty much from comic books, from my mom reading me, uh, reading me comics and then me reading along with them. So I learned how to read before I hit kindergarten. So I've been reading comics literally pretty much my whole life. So I, you know, I started probably when I was four and I haven't stopped since. And I never had one of those periods where I drifted away or, you know, thought, uh, I'm going to, you know, put my energy into something else. No, God forbid. No, I, I stuck with comics right up until this very moment. So, um, you know, as, as a segue uh, from that into what we were just talking about, like after you got started with comics, what happened next? Like when did you drift out? You know, what, what was your journey like and what's it like now? Uh, well, until I got my driver's license, I mean, it was just whatever you would find going to a bookstore or something. You know, my, my family used to have this place up on Lake George, New York, and there was this little general store, you know, right on the main road in Silver Bay, and you go in there. And yeah, I remember that place. Yeah, and you would have the, uh, you know, like a GI combat on the rack or something like that, you know. And that those are the days you just remember so well. Just is finding like these DC war books on the rack, like up at the Adirondacks, and you buy it and you take it back to the lake, and you're sitting on the dock and you're reading, you know, the Adventures of the Haunted Tank and everything else like that. And um, it was just, but it was catch as catch can. I mean, until I got a license and everything, because you, you know, there's comic book stores and you drive past them with your parents, be like, oh yeah, man, one of these days I really need to go in there and check that place out, and yeah, you never did. And um, and one fine day, uh, you know, the uh, individual across the mic from me here, <laughs> he's just like, hey, uh, you like comic books, don't you? It's just like there's this place in Troy called Aquilonia, free plug, and I think you should uh, come on down and see what they've got and see if you can. There's anything that you like. 
And here I am, like 19 years old, you know, thinking I'm over comic books. I'm like, well, okay. And yeah, if you can see my basic now with all the log boxes and stuff, comic books that I have downstairs now, it's just like, yeah, my wife would probably be like, thanks. Thanks, Max. Thanks. Yeah. Thanks. See? <laughs> I, uh, I do pretty good work, I must admit. Like, um, like see, because oddly enough, you have a much more extensive permanent collection than me, although I'm starting to build one for maybe the first time in my life now that I've got a place um, that I don't plan on leaving anytime soon. Um, oh, but I'm like, old school. I know you're doing like the digital thing and stuff like that. I am. I am, just, you know. I always prefer the paper. You know? I, I, I love going digital because it's just like, it just takes up less space. It's faster, you know, and I don't have to go hunting. But you're, we were talking about that catch as catch can feeling. And, you know, where I got my comics when I was young, at first it was stuff my dad would bring home from the mill, like uh, comics they were going to use as packing material and he just slap them down and he got to be the hero bringing home a bunch of comics he didn't pay for and those were the ones my mom read to me and then eventually it was like go to visit my grandmother hit the pharmacy what's that two spinner racks full of comics oh my god you know and then that's when the hook really got in i realized whenever i visited my grandmother i could do some little errands for her and get like a dollar for 35 cent comic books mm -hmm. You know, and, uh, you know, that that was just the start of it. But then it was chasing things around like for, you'd find a newsroom that sold comics. And then you also had the pharmacy and you had these different points you had to hit and triangulate between and hope if you got hooked on a series, you'd get to see the next issue ever, you know. And then when you did discover a comic shop that that made all the difference because you could say, I'm going to come back here. And when I do come back here, you will have this book for me. And then that just exponentially exploded. And, and I became the monster that I am now. And that I was when you met me. And, you know, I was like, hey, you know, we, you, know, you like comics, right? Let's go to Aquilonia. And I, I'm, I'm sitting there going, what series can I talk this guy into buying so that I can read them off of him? You know, and, uh, you know, that, that was, that's always been part of my gig is getting my friends into comics so I don't have to buy every single one of them that's out there. So, yeah, I mean, like, as far as a permanent collection, like I moved around way too much, you know this, to uh, to to justify lugging around long boxes everywhere I go. And I do stick with digital now, but some stuff you just can't. Like I love ROM, Micronauts, and and you know books like that are never going to be reprinted because the rights are just in limbo. So there's some things that even a digital addict like me like a devotee of digital comics, you've got to go for the physical stuff. And some, you know, maybe Sergio and Mark Avanier will um, uh, reprint Gru at some point in a good format, but I can't wait. So I've got to have all those physical issues too. So that's where I'm at. And that, so that's, that's us and our history with comics, which brings us up to the comic book series this podcast will focus on, Weird War Tales. So you tell me, how did you first get into Weird War Tales? What is your Weird War draft story? Well, my, um, you know, the, the flagship of my collection is the old DC War books. Like I've got like six long boxes, you know, of one tile or another. And yeah, you're the guy. You're the weird, you're the, you're the war comics guy in so many shops <laughs> around the country. Yeah. Yeah. There, there, there's, <laughs> it's funny that you say that. There was this, um, I went to school in Western Pennsylvania and there was a comic book shop about near Hazleton, I think it was about the halfway point between where I lived and where the school was. I would go to this comic book store once a year and they would remember me as being the DC war comic guy. <laughs> but um, yeah, it is by without a doubt the flagship of my collection. Like I'm only a short about 
you know, four dozen books and I'll have them all really. Um, Weird War is, was actually one of the last books I started looking into. Uh, I think it was one of those deals I was probably flipping through a three for a dollar box or something. And, you know, I found, you know, issue, you know, 92 or whatever the hell it was. I'm like, it's oh, a well. cheap series, everybody. You can dive right in. <laughs> I'm like, oh, what the hell? And, you know, as the saying goes, one thing led to another. And before long, I was, you know, they were in the, the uh, they were on the, the comic book hunt list for issues that I needed to look for before I got the complete run. And I do have them all. And yeah, the, the, it's a, it's a, wasn't something that was typically in my wheelhouse. Like I said, it was one of the last books I started, uh, started collecting. But uh, there's a lot of good stuff in there, and uh, it's uh, actually like I said, I have no idea what my first one was. It was whatever I found, like a three for a dollar box or something. Or just a catch. Yeah, well, I I did figure out what my first issue most likely probably was. But what I think is, you know, one of the the interesting points of this dynamic between you and me in this series in general, and in comics in general, is I got into Weird War backwards. Uh, you know, completely the opposite way that you did. I was into horror comics first. I loved like House of Mystery, House of Secrets, uh, Dr. Graves, like all the Charlton books like that pharmacy I mentioned by my grandmother's house actually carried Charlton comics and they put out these, you know, four or five really great just um, monster books. And um, I was an addict for those, like these short stories with little twist endings and, and things like that. So when I first saw this book and um, like I said, paging around the internet, I figured out that my first issue was probably number 68. So it's going to take us a while to get to that one on the show, uh, <laughs> which was published in like 1978, about, you know, 13 days before I would turn seven. So I did encounter the series early and I stuck with it to the bitter end from there. But I came in because I was like, this isn't just some boring old army comic, like the ones this guy Rich likes that I haven't met yet. You know, like I, I was not into the, the war books at all. If it was just Sergeant Rock or just some war stories I was like um so there's no monsters at all skip you know and so Weird War Tales ironically got me into more military comics like once once I was reading that book I decided well you know that maybe I should give Sergeant Rock a chance or you know someone would reprint there'd be a reprinting of um the war that time forgot you know and yeah. some other book and I would read that yeah. I can certainly see us doing a spinoff and the stuff like that because, you know, the uh, Star Spangled War stories, they had a bunch of books where, you know, the, you know, some shot down bomber crew or some survivors from a sunk sub or something like this wash ashore on an island that's overrun by dinosaurs and hilarity ensues. And, yeah, I fully uh, plan on it. That that We're, <laughs> we're going to cover especially any of the DC stuff that, that mixed war with monsters and sci-fi, not just this series. I mean, but this is a good spine to, to run through, you know, and, and it provides a pretty good podcast title too. But um, yeah, that's, it's just funny. Like, I, I got into it, you know, because I was more into the supernatural angle. And then that ended up convincing me to, uh, to try, you know, more standard military comics or army comics or war books, whatever the genre title is. By the time I met you, I had actually read a bunch of Sergeant Rocks and a bunch of Sergeant Furies and the Losers and wherever I could get a hold of um, reprints. Usually, I think DC did some digests with just the army or the war books too. So I grabbed up those because they were a nice 
early source of back issues for us kids that can only get to a newsroom. So, you know, that's that's how we both got into um, to Weird War. That's how um, we both got into comics in general. But we've mentioned like we ran into each other at some point in life. Um, I want you to tell your version of the story of how we first met. So I'll just let you take it away. Well, um, I like to draw and you like to draw and we both like to draw. And uh, I got to do it more often. Yeah, no kidding. I mean, God, I'm good enough a drawer if I don't mind myself saying uh, that I've got stuff up on the walls of my own house that I'm not ashamed of and most importantly my wife's not ashamed of. Dude, you, you can know, draw so vehicles. That is rare even in the world of professional artists. I cannot draw vehicles. I will avoid that till the end of my days. Well, I've, uh, you know, rule number one is, is, is patience. You know, don't be afraid to start over, you know. Yeah, yeah, patience. How long does that take? <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, so we're at the, going to uh, uh, Hudson Valley Community College, a.k.a. Harvard on the Hudson, and we had a art class, and there was one little, like, hallway where, like, the extra desks were with windows overlooking the main drag and stuff like that, and I forget who was, who was there first. You were there first. I, I remember there. being very disappointed, but go ahead. <laughs> there's, a, there's the one seat left farthest away from everybody and i'm sitting there drawing and he comes up and he sits down next to me and we just kind of look at each other like eh, eh. Well, all right whatever <laughs> and you know you're, you're kind of looking over at my stuff and i'm kind of looking over at your stuff and like, eh, similar interests this, this might not be this might not be too bad and uh, as the uh, as the saying goes, uh, that was the beginning of a, of a beautiful friendship, which led to uh, skipping classes for a week and uh, going comic hopping to stores across the greater New England area. And, uh... <laughs> yeah, I mean, when I say I dragged you back into comics and I was the, you know, the sinister Pied Piper and whatnot, you did, you know, you did your share of... Um making me realize I created a monster as well because I didn't even have a car back then. Like I was living with my brother and his girlfriend in an apartment in Troy. You were my friend with a car that I was like, I can con this guy into giving me rides to places. And then man, did we do that? You know, like, um, you know, on that walk back from drawing class to the main campus, when I basically interrogated you and figured out that you were a Mark, (laughs) (laughs) like that set the pattern for like, we ended up, you know, um, we ended up, uh, you know, dear listeners, we ended up taking this road trip where we just didn't go to school for a week. And Rich had mapped out where all these comic shops were using the yellow pages within reasonable driving distance where we could both pretend we were still going to class and coming home that night, that (laughs) afternoon. Um, I had to do less faking because my brother didn't care what I was doing, but Rich was going home to his parents. So, you know, we would hit these shops all over 50 miles we can do that new york area i mean i don't think we left the state i, I can't say i was paying attention but um the- max the first time you ever tried to drive to my house <laughs> on your own you called me from the mall and said, rich where do you live i'm like dude you've been here how many times <laughs> i have so much comic book information in my brain i can't possibly pay attention to directions and you were driving me everywhere my friends drove me everywhere and all i did was what talk the whole time whether my friends were listening or not 
You know this. Like, you'd be like, hey, let me turn up this Pink Floyd tape so I, we can talk about that instead, goddammit. You know? <laughs> like, so I didn't remember how to get to any place. You know, I just magically would appear there and my friends would let me out of their car. So yeah, I, I got lost on the way to your place. And, um, you know, I don't know where we were going with that, but I don't know where I'm going in general yeah, all the time we anyway. Were, I'm pretty sure we got into Massachusetts and Vermont. Oh, that, yes, yes. Picking up the thread. See, this is what I can't do. But um, yeah, I'm, I'm saved by the fact that we all have smartphones with, with Maps apps now and stuff, and I can act like I know what I'm doing. But yeah, we, we went around to all these shops, and there was one place in particular. It was run by a little old lady that I remember thinking in my very scrupulous mind, we could just take whatever we wanted out of this place. She was squirreled away in the back of the building. There were like two whole rooms she couldn't even see. And, you know, the thought crosses your mind, you know, but you don't do it because, hey, you've read enough comic books to know right from wrong, right? (laughs) But the, the outstanding feature of this store was what? It's one of these things, it's a double take. You had to look twice to make sure that your mind wasn't playing tricks on you. There was like a magazine rack just overflowing with comic books. And the only thing that were keeping the comic books from falling out of the slots and just cascading all over the floor was a strip of underwear, elastic. I swear to God, I am not making this up. (laughs) I am almost certain I remember seeing like a waistband measurement number on oh one of these strips like, like that and it wasn't even one long strip like somehow she had found like what fruit of the loom used to cut waistbands i think some of these were stapled together at lengths and it was just like okay even as terrible a person as i was back then uh, that was the final nail in the coffin of even amusingly entertaining myself that we would just rob this place blind um <laughs> Because, like, the poor woman's holding up comics with what looks like hopefully unused underwear elastic. So, you know, uh, we we were good doobies, and I I believe bought a bunch of books off her. I mean, there was a store that was in a guy's garage. Remember, I thought we were going to get, like, ethered. And, and end up in the basement or something like it was literally just his garage and i think i bought um the first dark horse aliens predator miniseries off of him he had it bagged I, yeah. I, I think that was before pulp fiction came out so you didn't have to worry about the gimp or anything yeah i mean like things like but remember i read a lot of horror comics and like by then i had read a lot of creepy and eerie magazine too from warren which were a little darker than the stuff you'd see in house of mystery so you know i didn't you know, not like i've ever trusted anybody but i you know I was pretty paranoid back then, but uh, you know, that's why I was like, you go into this garage first. (laughs) But if I remember, he turned out to be a really nice dude, but uh, I still had one eye on him the whole time. So yeah, we came back from this, you know, we, we did this week long trip and we're like, haha, we totally got away with it. That was awesome. And like, we went in the next, the next week we went into our math class that we had together and we walk in and everyone is sitting at their desk cramming. Like they're, they got their books out and everyone's quiet and they're just intensely studying and we're sitting there going, what, what the heck's going on here? And as it turns out, we were about to have a test that the teacher had told everyone about the week before when we weren't there. And it was going to be the only grade we would receive before the report cards went home. And I believe I got a 43 on that test. <laughs> out of sheer guessing. I couldn't even begin to guess. I think you got lower than me. Because I remember thinking that wasn't possible. <laughs> hey, 
was a history major. I wasn't a math major. There's a yeah. reason. <laughs> well, uh, uh, you know, uh, I ended up being an English major when I finally picked a major many years later. <laughs> so, yeah, what do with that? Yeah. <laughs> what I do with that? I started a podcast. <laughs> hey. <laughs> hey. Well, if I want to talk, I ended up getting a history degree at my four-year school I ended up going to. What did I do with that? Right. <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, you're, you're part of history. You are. And that brings us to, to something we can actually change a subject here, which will happen rarely. Segway. It will happen rarely on this show because I am involved. But um, <laughs> as far as what you do with that and, and you being a history major, you at least, you know, you've always been a big fan of the military, of army comics, war comics, um, you know, stuff like that. And uh, eventually you went ahead and jumped in to the fiction you joined the army man how'd that happen oh wow um well has the uh the army has this uh, the maximum age of non-prior service enlistment is 35 and from the time i graduated high school i just kept finding real or imagined excuses not to do it and i mean after 9-11 happened i was all set to go charging in and my wife was like eight and a half months along with kid one and yeah, I can't do that. And I aged yeah, out. You let Frank Miller go for you because he's so brave. Yeah. And I was like, well, hell, that's that. And then they got the surge and everything else. And the army p- pushed the age back to, uh, to 42. And I was unemployed. I couldn't find anything. Uh, my son was old enough to understand. It was like the fates were like, look, if you're ever going to do this, this is truly, this is, this is like the soccer equivalent of extra time. This is like, if you're going to do it, it's got to be now. So I had the talk and, you know, met my wife's preconditions and I raised the old right hand at 40, and I shipped out to basic training at 41. And yeah, that is literally old enough to be the father of about three quarters of the kids I was training with, including a good chunk of the drill sergeants. But um, oh, that must have been fun. Oh yeah, I mean, I, it's just well, hey, I was I was the father figure. I mean, the, the great thing about doing basic training at that age was the drill sergeants generally left you alone because, like, yeah, this guy's been around the block a few times. We don't have to worry about this dude. But um, and. Uh, approaching the uh, the halfway point I'm about to get my 20 in uh, approaching the halfway point uh, next month actually and uh, nice to get, nice get that pension and uh, get that nice veteran headstone when I shuffle off this mortal coil <laughs> oh good yeah make sure you don't drop it on your foot well, they don't give you that like ahead of time oh, you have no, to like, keep it in your bedroom that, that, that would be assuming that you know what you're going to shuffle off yeah here's a here's a cue for the listeners i don't know a damn thing about the military i know what i've read from comic books like i know how uh, if the military works like gi joe i am an expert but other than that you know i probably oh. have some learning to do well, gi joe i mean the guys that can blow a tank apart from three miles out but but uh, can't shoot a guy you know sitting as close away from him as a Han Solo and Greedo yeah that, that, that's a, that's a, some great marksmanship skills there <laughs> yeah yeah and they all have code names and they always fight the same bad guys and you know no one ever really gets shot well unless you're There's reading that one guy that goes into a coma every yeah, if you're reading the Larry Hama comics, yeah, lots of people get shot. And, you know, the whole village is killed in the first issue, which was, you know, like I started with that comic and then the cartoon came on and I'm like, these are two different worlds. But we're not doing a G.I. Joe podcast. That's been done. I will, well, yeah, there's some really there's good ones out there right now that, that I like. Um, uh, you know, the Long Box Crusade is covering the Devil's Due Years as we record this, and I am having a blast listening to that. But you were the old man in basic training. Oh, yeah. One of the stories I love to tell is when I, when I was assigned to my first unit, there was a colonel. I told him a story, and he just 
shook his head. He's just like, man, I can't, I couldn't even imagine doing basic training at your age. That's just, wow. <laughs> That's just unbelievable. The, the awkward thing is doing it at my age. It's like I said, you're the father figure. And there's, I joined the military at an age where people could retire. People were leading the military with a pension when I was going in. So there's, there were a lot of weird spaces for me because, you know, here I am, I'm 40 years old. I'm old enough to be like, you know, a Lieutenant Colonel or a Master Sergeant or something like that with a lot of authority. And here I am, I'm like, you know, a specialist. I'm supposed to be hanging out with these, you know, 19 and 20 and 21 year olds. And I didn't really fit in. Yeah, that can't be annoying for all parties. I had more in common with, you know, the Lieutenant Colonel and the First Sergeant and crap like that, but I only had like half their rank. <laughs> so the first couple of years were a little on the awkward side, but um, the, uh, I, I think the, uh, the seniors, we, we had, it was the whole thing with, with my age and stuff like that. We had a lot in common. So there would be times I'd be sitting in my, uh, my section chief's office, just, you know, who I was older than, by the way, uh, just talking about, you know, books that we've read and, <laughs> and everything else like that. <laughs> so. so, yeah. Now, now you have, you know, despite all expectations to the contrary, been promoted a few times. What, what, what have you gotten yourself up to now? You started out as old man privates. Actually, actually I, because well, you I didn't, you didn't get the old man privates joke, but that's fine. Uh, but uh, I, was, I was trying to let that go <laughs> uh, because I was blessed with a four year degree before I raised old Jan right hand. Um, I started off as a V4 specialist, which is as high up the food chain as you can go, um, just jumping right in. And I have since worked my way up to uh, staff sergeant, E6, which is you know, climbing up the, the NCO ranks. Everyone's like, well, why didn't you go officer? It's like, uh, just, you know, there's too many jokes about officers. You know, it's the NCOs that do the, the the work for a living and everything else like that. If you ever want to go officer, you have to. Yeah, you don't want to give them any extra material. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, I just uh, I just got promoted uh, this year uh, to staff sergeant. Like I said before, I'd like to ride this out uh, to get my 20. Uh, I'm halfway there. It's been it's been quite the ride. It's been quite the ride so far. I haven't uh, haven't deployed any sandbox or anything, but I've had more than my fair share of domestic duties and stuff like that. Yeah, so. didn't you like organize a dance once? <laughs> <laughs> okay, well the the that's literally the only duty I remember you telling me about is that it was like an officer's ball, and I was just like, "Well, go get him, Tiger." <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, okay. Because I got you. Know, can make me tell this one. Okay. Uh, there was a domestic. When I was, uh, my, the first unit I was assigned to, we were, we were assigned, it was, a, it was a domestic deployment. Essentially, if we got hit with a weapon of mass destruction stateside, uh, that's what my unit would have responded to. You know, if like LA gets nuked or, uh, you know, Cincinnati gets dirty bombed or something like that. You know, oh, that's sure. Now thing. I feel like a jerk. That's the way we would have, would have gone to. But we were, uh, I was assigned to a brigade headquarters. And as brigade headquarters, we had a bunch of battalions underneath us, and we had a one star that was running the show. And um, one of the things that got dropped in my, I, I, I'm a, being old dude. One of the preconditions was my wife wanted me to get uh, an MOS, a military job, uh, with real world applications. Her whole thing was, you know, don't go into artillery and then bitch you can't find a job and you get out. So I'm like, yes, dear. 
and I found a job in human resources. So the, the, whenever there's a ball or a party or something like that, this stuff always gets dropped in the S1 shops lab. <laughs> so here we are, we're playing the Patriot ball. Dun, dun, dun. And the, the commanding general wanted a guest speaker, you know, so he's just, you know, all the other battalion commanders are all, hey, how about we get this politician? And hey, how about we get this retired general? And hey, how about we get this blah, blah, blah. And I'm a historian and I've got contacts in the National Park Service and stuff like that. My idea was like, well, hey, how about we get, you know, a park ranger from like the Lexington Concord and he can come over here and he could give our spiel and everything else like that. And here you got all these lieutenant colonels, here this little E4 specialist is and the general's like, I like his idea. Do that. <laughs> there like, we go. And it, like, it was commendations all upwards from there. <laughs> so see, dear listeners, we will tell stories at least that exciting and, and thrilling as this podcast goes on. We'll be using, uh, well, rather I will be leaning very heavily on the fact that Rich actually has experience in the military and knows what the heck he's talking about, which will be a stark contrast to my contributions. And we will discuss Every single issue is the plan of Weird War Tales and a bunch of other books that get in our way and, and catch our eyes like shiny objects as we go forward. Yeah, exactly. You know, the, the squirrel that is probably also a vampire, you know, or whatever the Weird War Tales twist is. The rabbit and Monty Python. Yes, yes, the, the, the Monty Python rabbit. But we'll get into when when we do episode one we'll we'll get into a format we do have a plan we don't want to get into it here um but we'll have a format by which we dissect each issue and we'll get in we'll get out we'll ramble we'll rave uh we'll tell stories that don't have any connection to anything but we'll mostly talk about comics and uh, hopefully um people will also chime in and drive the conversation from there that's the goal that's the plan but you know what they say about plans and contact with the enemy. And never showing your foxhole to anyone braver than you. Exactly. <laughs> so we're gonna we're gonna wrap it up here, and we're gonna try to say a cute little catchphrase at the same time, and it'll be a disaster. Uh, so until next time, everyone, make war. No more. Or we can say it in sequence like that. That'll work a lot better. <laughs> and the end. <laughs>